Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, the podcast courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me today, of course, David Gasper and also a special guest. He is a correspondent to the site, Prospects1500. Uh, he covers our Pioneer League, our draft coverage, and he's also the director of the player placement and recruitment for the Mile High Collegiate Baseball League. His name is Sean Kernahan. Sean, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. We are very, very excited because the MLB Amateur Draft is just around the corner, and we have a lot to preview and talk about. And you are our expert, Sean, so um, I'm very, very excited. David, we have a guest on. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it is. I mean, we haven't had a guest on in, in a couple of weeks, so yeah, it's it's good to, to have Sean on and... Lots of draft stuff to talk about. I love the draft. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a wild one this year. I'm, I'm excited for it. Exactly. And we'll get into the draft stuff uh, in a little bit here. I did want to go over a couple of things before we want to discuss the futures game, which is happening uh, this week as well, um, or before I guess our next podcast comes out. So that's fun because we're gonna see some of these guys. It's a mixture of guys that we like, and I think guys that MLB wants us to like, I guess is a nice way of putting that. Um, so we want to discuss those rosters, maybe preview that game. And of course, we have our news and notes. So uh, let's just get right into it. Sean, would you like to join us with our uh, news and notes analysis? Let's do it. I'm sure you listen every week, so you know exactly how it goes, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to keep the news and notes short. Uh, a little bit. We'll just hit the big things. And the big one to go over is Wander Franco's best friend in the world. I can only assume they're best friends. Vidal Brujan is being promoted to the big leagues. And it's going to be happening. We don't know exactly when, but it's happening pretty quickly. So uh, relatively shortly, we should see these two playing together. Um, what do you think about Brujan, David? Are you... Um, if if Wander was a 10, where would, in your excitement level, where would Bruhan rank on your excitement level coming up? Probably a, an 8 or a 9, uh, I guess. I mean, Bruhan is is kind of right up there. I remember when we had um, uh, Bailey uh, and Jake on talking about uh, those guys uh, way back, you know, a couple of months ago, talking about the race system. They were super excited about Bruhan. Um, and now, I mean, I, I think Taylor Walls is on the IL, but you got Brujan up, uh, you got Franco up, and that's just, you know, a really stacked middle infield uh, down there in Tampa Bay. So, you know, it'll be exciting to see, and that's probably going to be the future down there in that middle infield for uh, years to come. Yeah, I imagine that he's probably going to the outfield to start. Um, Manuel Margot is going on the injured list. I think that's what's making room for him. So I wonder if they do keep him in the infield or they, I know he had been playing in the outfield a little bit. Um, Sean, where do you have Bruhan on kind of your top? Uh, I don't, you know, exact number, but like a top n number ish you would put Bruhan at. You, you know, as far as an overall, I, I don't really know where I put him, but as far as the, the raise system goes, um, I think, 
two where he pretty much consensus is is, is probably a good one. Um, him there right after his you know middle infield mate uh, Wander Franco is probably a good spot to look at him. Um, and it looks like he's going to be up. Uh, you know we're recording this on Tuesday night the sixth. He's up for the double header tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, and uh, we should stay up at that point. So yeah, it'll be fun to see him uh, playing alongside Wander Franco. Um, the amazing thing about Bruhan that you know I quickly looked at is despite the fact that he's the second-ranked prospect for the, the Rays, and, and rightfully so, the dude is three years older yep, than Wander Franco. That's how yeah. impressive Wander Franco being in the Major League level is. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and Bruhan's kind of been a slow burn if Franco's been that meteoric rise in a sense. Uh, he, like you said, he is 23 years old. Um, he's He hasn't had the overall success in um, – I'm just going to say inexperienced to failing that Franco has had in his minor leagues because Bruhan has been up and down, especially for me. I think I was really late to come to the Bruhan party. I had him in the 80s and 90s. I mean, recently as a couple months ago on my top 100 list, but the start that he got off to it, he has cooled down. We have to, we have to kind of temper our expectations a little bit. He's down to 259 on the average. Does have nine homers, 29 (laughs) RBIs and 15 stolen bases, 37 runs in triple A. Um, in only 49 games. So um, despite that that hot start, the numbers are a little bit, you know, down, but still very excited to see him. And like you said, David, those two, those two up the middle have to get Rays fans pretty, pretty excited. Um, there are some other promotions as well. And David, I'll let you introduce this one because you uh, seem to be uh, the guy. Pretty, on pretty excited. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Garrett Mitchell. Uh, the 20th overall pick in the uh, draft last year uh, has been promoted to double A, double A Biloxi after just 28 games in high A Wisconsin. And he had just been raking, hitting a 359, had a on base percentage over 500, uh, smacked two home runs in his final game with the Timber Rattlers before getting the call up um, on the 4th of July. So, uh, great to see for him. He He's moving on up, and uh, that Shuckers team really kind of does need some offense, just looking at the, the stats there. But, you know, anyways, you know, Mitchell's just been kind of proving himself to be everything that uh, the Brewers, ex- you know, were hoping that he could be. Uh, the, you know, spring training performance wasn't just a fluke. The power is showing up. Uh, got four home runs already on the season. Um, so, you know, that, that's really exciting to see, and he's earned that promotion. And, you know, we could end up seeing him sooner rather than later. And I know uh, uh, Eric Cross, I believe it was, had uh, Gary yeah. Mitchell in his top 10 he might dynasty, be dynasty oh, yeah. list. And you were mocking me for having him at, what, 21? Yeah. yeah, I know. He's he. I want to defend myself for a little bit <laughs> because uh, he's shown all the things that I wanted to see, you know, and, and there was just a lot of unknown centering around COVID centering around the diabetes and a lot of stuff that like, we shouldn't get hung up on if he proved he was over it. And I think this last couple of weeks to me, especially has proved that he is over it. And so, yeah, I, I can't mock you now for that as well. And in fact, I think we might be too low <laughs> at 21. If we were to re-rank, I probably even push you to put him up a little bit higher to be honest yeah just because yeah, like right. the things he's, he's proving it right so the, yeah. if the power is there and he's not being affected by this diabetes like what else is there that he needs well, to do i mean he's had it since he was nine years old you yeah. know he, he's played at a high level with it you know for for many years so 
you know, it, it really kind of, I, I, I never really thought it would be that much of an issue. I'm kind of surprised so many teams did think it would be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I think not like COVID a new messed thing. up a lot too. You know, it just yeah. messed up teams. Like they just got worried for whatever reason or whatnot. But, I don't but hey, the Brewers aren't going to complain. <laughs> they will absolutely uh, take it. Um, so it, it's been a uh, really exciting uh, to see for him. So yeah, yep. and then Joe Gray Jr., um, who has been raking uh, in uh, Low A Carolina, uh, second round pick in 2018. Uh, high school out of Mississippi, he gets moved up. He gets promoted uh, to high A Wisconsin to take Mitchell's place. So a couple of pretty exciting uh, promotions from two of the really hottest hitting uh, Brewers prospects this year. Yeah, their their stats have been nuts. And I actually uh, am not just trying to save face on this podcast. I did trade for Garrett Mitchell. In you a did. I, I, am, I am turning you into a Brewers farm system guy. Yeah, I traded. Uh, what do you think about this, Sean? I traded Lance McCullers and Merrill Kelly for Garrett Mitchell, and I'm rebuilding. Well, I'm I'm a big Garrett Mitchell guy. He was my number one yes. freshman in uh, 2018 go. when he went to UCLA. You know, he's a Orange Lutheran kid. He following the same steps uh, footsteps as Garrett Cole, you know, Orange Lutheran, UCLA, and now on his path to the big leagues. Uh, I, I love Garrett Mitchell. I think he's got all the tools you need. Um, I think he's going to be a stud for the Brewers. Uh, you know, you mentioned Joe Gray Jr. just got moved up. I got to uh, see him quite a bit in 2019 when he was the Rocky Mountain Vibes. Uh, he did not hit very well there, but the the kid oozes talent. Um, there's a lot of really good outfield talent in that uh, Brewer system. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm liking what Sean's saying over here. We should have him on more often. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Joe Gray is underrated for sure. He's a guy that I was able to just pick up off of my waiver wire in one league and just to throw in in another in, an, in yeah. another league. And I think he's a stud. He is a little bit older. I think uh, the promotion is well warranted. In fact, I'd I'd want to see him get pushed up a little bit more, maybe even to Double A by the end of this year. Don't you think? I mean, we'll, we'll see. He did have a 32% strikeout rate in Low sure. A. Uh, Joe Gray did so there is you know a little bit of that of a concern I mean he was drafted out of high school so he's I think it's like what 21 now yeah he's, um, he's so. uh, 21 you know he's a guy that hit in below the Mendoza line in his first two years of rookie ball this year's kind of been that breakout uh, up to mm-hmm. 289 at uh, low mm-hmm. A so you got to see him have uh, more consistent contact but in today's game you know consistent contacts uh, maybe overrated at times. The guy has 12 home runs already this season. That's the type of stuff you want to see from a guy who can play all positions in the outfield. And, and shameless uh, self-plug here. So in my Brewers top 50 list, I'm going to have an update coming out here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, Joe Gray will definitely be moving up much higher. I had him at, I think, 41 or 42 uh, in my initial top 50. Because um, I, I was going off those numbers there from rookie ball and, and just you know what I had seen which wasn't much at that point. And I, I think I even said in my, in my blurb about him, I need to see it to believe it. Well, yeah. I have seen it and I am believing it. Yeah. So and I think that, is, that holds true for Mitchell too. I think if you're still uh, down on Mitchell because he was taken later on in the draft, I think it's time to get over that as um, I sure have, you know, yeah. and I'm, and you got, you know, you're the, you guys are much more plugged in than perhaps somebody like myself with, with a guy like Garrett Mitchell. So, um, yeah. Eric Cross, though, yeah, he's he's leading that charge, isn't he? He's all I, in. I'm right there with him, man. Yeah, you're I'm right, right there. there with him. Yeah, I, 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 I walked 
so Eric Cross could run on the yeah. Garrett Mitchell hype there. Yeah. Within the last week, I've traded for Garrett Mitchell, Joe Ryan, and uh, Hedbert Perez as I rebuild. So you better not let me down. I, I will. I will try not to. <laughs> By the way, I, I would like to offer uh, my condolences on uh, the C.J. Abrams uh, yes. train over there. Yes, we were going to get to get to that too here in the news and notes. So yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing. Doesn't change really anything for me. He's similar into the the Corbin Carroll where he's just too good to let this, it just, I mean, he was going to, he's just so young, you know, mm-hmm. he, that uh, it's, it's not going to put us off on what he's able to do. I mean, we're going to, we won't see him. This it it might delay the schedule a little bit, but the, the talent is still there. Yeah. Yeah. And not um, to jump around the place too much, but CJ Abrams is a guy who I was looking forward to seeing in the futures game here this coming, this coming weekend. Now all of a sudden, you know, don't get to see him there. That was just brutal news for, uh, for me because I was looking forward to actually seeing him in person here this Sunday. Yeah, he's quite special when you get to see him play. Um, I think it, he goes beyond the stats. So if you're just scouting stats for whatever reason and not looking at the video of what he does, it's it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, uh, just so people know, it's a fractured left tibia and a sprained MCL. He's out for the mm. rest of the season. That's just bad luck. You know, that's just bad luck. I'm not uh, going to hold it against him <laughs> in any way. He'll still be yeah. my number one Padres prospect. Although that's not hard now because Mackenzie Gore sucks. <laughs> um, all right, guys, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about, oh, you know what? I, I did miss one piece of news. I did want to mention this, and I think it's vital as well. Uh, Sixto Sanchez will be out for the season um, as well. He joins C.J. Abram, Cor- the Corbin Carroll, Travis Swaggerty. Uh, anybody else I forgot to mention? Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA. So uh, his is a little bit more concerning than the position players, I would argue. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not all entirely surprising. It's like those other ones, I kind of like took a step back and, you know, had a little depression party for them. But six though, for some reason, doesn't didn't surprise me as much. Uh, just the way his season was working out, it seemed like, nope, nope, sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, it, when you're coming into the season looking like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be a you know strong start. Six is really going to, you know, burst onto the scene and, then it's like, oh no, he got uh, he got demoted, he got put on the IL, and uh, you know, then they're trying to rehab him back, and then you know he has another setback there, and it's just, yeah, it's just kind of piling on each other, and eventually it's like, all right, you just gotta pull the plug on the season and and have the surgery. Yeah. So, uh, so with that sad news, let's go ahead and try to get into some of them. <laughs> The more uplifting stuff, and we'll uh, we'll be right back after this. Uh, again, joining me right now is David Gasper and uh, Sean Kernahan as we go over draft preview for the uh, 2021 draft. So we'll be right back. And we are back. This is Futures Focus. It's a podcast courtesy of prospects 1500 i have with me today david gasper per usual and then not per usual sean kernahan he's going to be going over some of our draft stuff here in a little bit but before we do i do want to touch on the futures game it's a little bit different this year in that uh, instead of the old uh, i want to say the old world but that's not quite what it is is it it's the world versus the usa and at least it had been in the past but now we're switching over to uh, the American League versus the National League. So, Sean, what do you think about the switchover? 
I think this is the second year time. I think they did it in 2019 as well. But yeah, I like it. It was it was fun in the beginning when it was the USA versus the world. But at a certain point, you know, all of a sudden, it, it just it kind of got lopsided. And I, you know, you get kind of the the big arms, the big bats, um, the the style of it, the the world players versus the USA players. It was just a very different approach at, on the field uh, with the American League versus National League. Uh, you get the kind of the good mix. I, I think it's more fun. Plus. You know, as much fun as it was to see a uh, you know world pitcher face his organizational teammate at the plate, uh, it's, I'd rather see them you know work together rather than against each other. Yeah, great point. I like that a lot. I think uh, this is the way to do it. Uh, those are great points that you made. Let's uh, let's go over some of the guys that were most excited um, to go over. Why don't we start with the American League? We can maybe each give a name uh, on the pitching side. Maybe each give a position player that. We're very excited to see. I like the range of prospects. Um, I always seem to forget, you know, because uh, I'm old about the rosters in the past. But it does seem like the uh, some of the more the guys that haven't played as much um, in a in stateside are getting a chance to kind of show themselves here, like a Jason Dominguez or Cespedes. Like I don't always remember that being the case. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I probably am. But uh, I think I'm really excited to see some of these guys on the national stage, even though we haven't even really seen them at all. Um, in the in the minor league. So uh, pitching wise, what are you guys uh, what are you guys looking forward? Um, all right, uh, well, one of the pitchers I'm looking for on the American League team, uh, Reed Detmers. I was a huge fan of him uh, in the draft. I think it was an excellent choice for the Angels to get him. Kind of a quick moving, uh, high high floor pitching prospect to really kind of help out that big league club as soon as possible because. Man, they need some pitching outside of Shohei Otani. Um, so I'm really excited to see what Detmers can do for uh, for the American League team and for the Angels in the future. And I think that a guy like him, he's striking everybody out right now in the minor leagues. And I want to see if he can come in and strike out these guys, too. Because um, if he does, because his stuff doesn't light the world on fire. Um, and yet he's getting these insane K rates. So I want to see... Um, if he's, if that's just who he is, that'd be pretty, I mean, it's one game of course, and it's for fun. So, but it's something we can see with our own eyes. Um, Sean, what about you? What's a picture, uh, a picture that catches your eyes? You know, initially it'd be Shane Baz, but I'd rather, I'm looking forward to him seeing him in, uh, in Tokyo with the Olympic team. So the guy that kind of a little bit further down the line is Cole Wynn, uh, you know, initially out of a, a Colorado high school, transferred out to California, uh, to Orange Lutheran, speaking of Orange Lutheran with Garrett Mitchell earlier, uh, back in 2018, ends up getting drafted, uh, Mid first round by by the Rangers, he's got a big fastball. The big fastball guys are always fun in the futures game. They reach back, they cook the uh, radar gun, you know, sure. a little bit. All of a sudden, you're seeing guys throwing 102, and the previous career highs are 98. But he's one of those guys that I think in a in a one inning stint it can really shine with his big curveball, big fastball. Uh, I look forward to seeing Cole uh, Cole win against some of these guys. Absolutely. I think one of the pitchers that I'm going to be looking for is Luis Medina. I think he's a little underrated in, you know, the dynasty circles. Um, and I think he might be ascending into top 50 status by the end of the year if he continues what he's been doing. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, what about on the uh, other side of the ball? Any uh, infielders or outfielders that are catching your eyes or even a catcher or two? Um, let's start with you again, David. Anybody that you're going to be checking in? Well, the one guy that I am I'm really high on that I'd like to get a chance to see a lot more of is Adley Rutschman. 
Um, number one overall pick a few years ago, switch hitting catcher, uh, can hit for power, can hit for average. Uh, what's not to love there? Um, I, I'd like to see the Orioles get a little bit more aggressive uh, with his development and you know pushing him towards the big leagues. Um, he's in Double A now, um, but you know he's someone that uh, I think could could move up relatively quickly and could be a, a star in the making at a position where there's really not much for, for offensive minded and certainly fantasy minded uh, players. So getting a guy like Rutschman up to the big league level uh, sooner rather than later uh, would be nice, not only for just baseball watching in general, but also for, for fantasy dynasty purposes. Yeah. And not only because I have him on two of my teams. Yeah, people have been waiting patiently for him. It seems like he's taking forever. But doesn't it seem like the coming out party, like officially for Adley, where he just hits like two home runs and just goes off? I'd like, hope so. I, I could see nice. that. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, what about you, Sean? Anybody else that uh, on the, the hitting side of the ball that you want to follow closely? Well, you know, at first I looked at the, the list and it was like Vidal Brujan, but not anymore. That guy's in the big leagues. Uh, you know, David just stole my guy at the Rutschman. Um, got to see, got to know him a little bit when he's at Oregon State. So I'm going to go to a Kansas City Royal, and I'm not going to say Bobby Witt. Um, Nick Prado is one of those guys that I think is underrated in that system. Um, you know, he, he's had some ups and downs, uh, especially back in 2019. He did not have the contact rates that you want uh, want to see. But the guy has some real power in that bat. Uh, a, a nice lefty swing, uh, first baseman for the Royals. I'd like to see him, you know, see one of those 102-mile-an-hour fastballs I was talking about earlier and uh, see him put one deep. I, I think he's got a chance to really shine in this, in this format. Yeah, great choice. I, I was thinking about Prado, too. I think that He's closer than people think. Uh, I think a call-up is pretty eminent if he continues working uh, at the pace he's doing right now. Uh, although I think we'll all be watching very closely with Bobby Witt. I think that goes without saying. But that does leave one name that nobody mentioned I thought would be the slam dunk choice. That's why I let you guys go first. But uh, Jason Dominguez, anybody? Do we, we not – we want to see him against these guys. And you see did mention, you know, the guys you don't typically see. He is the first uh, player to play in the Futures game that has not seen a single at bat or single uh, uh, any playing time in a full season ball. So that's interesting there. Yeah, I'm. Uh, if he hits a home run, like people are going to put him in the top five. I bet in some <laughs> You know, Twitter people, will explode. His card prices will explode too if they can go up anymore. But yeah, like I, I want to see, I want to see the world just blow up when he hits a home run. I could, well, let's see if he can. We'll see if he can. It'll be interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- these names. This is just the American League side that we're focusing on. There is one name that's a little depressing to see on this roster. Jared Kelnick. Wish he wasn't on this roster. But um, let's uh, let's head on over to. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let's mention a couple of the guys that we didn't talk about. I mean, there's Austin Martin, Spencer Torkelson, Julio Rodriguez, Riley Green, my guy Tyler Soderstrom I want to see. Um, those are some other names that we did not mention, but, of course, we're very excited to see. So let's move on to the NL roster. Give me a picture, David, that you're interested in. All right. I'm not going to say Ethan Small because that's just a cop-out for me. Um, but I'm going to go instead with uh, Cade Cavalli. Uh, he's, you know, probably the lone bright spot of the Washington national system, uh, right now. Um, and he's kind of been, been lining it up and he's moving up pretty quickly. 
Uh, he's already in double A for, for the Nationals. So, you know, I'm really kind of excited to see him. He was someone that I was I was really looking at for uh, the Brewers potentially in the draft last year until Garrett Mitchell fell to them. Um, but, I mean, Cavalli is someone that I think has a really exciting and bright future. Uh, what do you think, Sean? What is, what's the pitcher you're, you're into? You know, this one was actually easy for me. I want to see Quinn Priester of the Pirates. My He's other guy, guy. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy that went 18th overall in 2019. The, the, when they selected him, I hated the pick. I, I was not big on Quinn Priester in that draft. Um, I, I really? thought he was going to be kind of a two-pitch guy, a reliever. Um, thus far, he's proven me wrong. I'm looking forward to seeing him in person. Uh, I want to see what he can do. I, I thought it was more of a... a I thought his ceiling was was limited, and uh, you know it, it maybe looked like not so much. And I look forward to seeing him in person and see how wrong I really was. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating prospect. Uh, talk about helium, you know how uh, not playing any minor league games can somehow boost your stock exponentially. That's that's Quinn Priester for you. Um, yeah, great. Those are my two guys <laughs> that I wanted, but. Um, if I have to pick another guy that I'll be watching closely, it's actually, uh, you know, you'd think you'd, you'd see Max Meyer there, but I just traded him away in Dynasty, so I kind of don't want him to, to do too well. So uh, let's stick with Nick Lodolo. I think he's going um, a little bit with uh, in, uh, the unheralded ranks of the pitching prospects, the lefty for the Reds. Um, I'm very excited to see him, and, um, you know, his stock is soaring as well, pretty pretty high Um in his uh, short success here in 2021. Um, all right, let's let Sean go. Sorry to cut you off there. If I could throw out one other name, I want to just mention Matthew Libertor is on this roster. He is in this type of format. He's not going to light up any radar guns. Do not fall in love with the guys who just have the big radar readings. A guy like Matthew Libertor is an all-around pitcher. He's better than he will show in the Futures game. So just keep that in mind. It's a it's a showcase. These guys are going to reach back and throw it. So sure. don't just focus on the, the the big radar gun numbers. A guy like Libertor is a, a better pitcher than he is a thrower. So he's one that is not going to shine in a Futures game, but is going to be a better prospect than he will be in the showcase. Interesting. I'm a little low on Libertor, so I, I will watch him closely and see if I can see what you like about him. But continue on, Sean. Give me a give me a hitter that you're going to be eyeing. Okay, so for the NL hitters, Michael Bush. I mean, oh, you know man. what? You know what? Let me take that back. I'm going to slide down to Libertor's uh, Arizona buddy in Nolan Gorman, and now also with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Got to see a lot of both of these guys when, back in uh, high, their high school days. I have never seen somebody hit home runs so easily as Nolan Gorman. The guy has massive power. You talk about uh, you know Jason Dominguez sitting the world on fire with a uh, home run in this. If somebody hit you know puts a a ball out there that is one of those tape measure uh, shots, it's going to be a guy like Gorman. Um, he can absolutely crush the ball and it'll be fun to see him uh you know with what he can do uh, in this kind of format up in course field ball travels well he's one that'll be a lot of fun to watch if he can get a hold of one david are you getting nervous we just talked about nl central back to back to back there <laughs> no Gorman, i'm not i'm Cibolo, not uh, too nervous there priester that's a lot of uh good names there um all right david who do you who do you want to put out uh, I, I want to talk about another guy here that's also uh, big on power, Brett Beatty uh, of the New York Mets, um, another corner infielder, uh, plenty of power, 
Um, really, really an exciting prospect there in that Mets system. So, you know, coming in at 6'3", 210, big dude, um, plenty of pop. You know, hopefully he's going to be able to, you know, hit plenty um, at, at the next level to, to take advantage um, of that. And um, he's something that I'm really kind of a uh, Excited to see, um, get get a, my first uh, actual kind of kind of look at. Yeah, I, I haven't seen too much of him, and I know he is doing uh, fantastic here in 2021. So that's a good po- uh, good pick. Although uh, now we're talking only NL East and uh, <laughs> NL Central guys with Cavalli and Be- and Beatty. Um, I should pick a Brave next, right? Um, but I think everybody knows that I'm excited to see the two Braves entries in Michael Harris and Drew Waters. So I'm actually going to pick. My favorite prospect that's on this NL roster, uh, at least in terms of um, now that Abrams is technically not on it, would be uh, Marco Luciano. I think that, uh, you know, we did our our little mock draft prospect ranking and I have I'm very, very high on Luciano. And he started out a little bit slowly this year, but he has turned it on recently. I mean, every night I'm checking he's hitting a home run. Um, He's still 19 years old. I can see a promotion here quickly, and uh, I just want to see what how he does against some of these more advanced arms for an inning or two, and and see if he can maybe um, get his name a little bit more out there for uh, the more common folk, if you will, you know, the people that are just tuning in for to watch this and say, oh my God, that guy hit a bomb. That's uh, who is that? Oh yeah, great. So um, this again, I, I you know what? I think I like this roster more than the AL roster in terms of guys. I'm. Oh, Man, that's tough. I just flipped back over to the AL. I don't know which 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 roster do you like more if you had to pick one. I, I kind of like the AL roster a little bit more, really? at least yeah. on the hitter side. What about you? Yeah, Sean? the AL roster has more of that elite talent. It, it has the elite talent, yeah. There's gonna be more all future All Stars on the AL roster than the NL roster. Yeah. This is but why the American more, League keeps you know, on winning the All Star game year after year. <laughs> like, let's be honest. When was the last time the the National League won the All-Star game regularly? Uh, when's the last time anyone cared? <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, for a while it mattered. Home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, it mattered, I guess, in a sense like that, for sure. But um, I'm going to take the NL roster, guys. I, I like this NL roster. It's, uh, it's a lot of my favorite guys here. I mean, even if Abrams isn't on it. But uh, I, I do think the, uh, the elite talent here is is pretty evident. It's because the Mariners have. I mean, God, Mariners are so lucky. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see if they squander it though. Yeah, I mean that's that's no uh, no Alvy Marte is not on the roster either. That's uh, they got Hancock, Kelnick, Rodriguez. Man, must be nice. Hancock is hurt and won't be playing. So. Yeah. Um. Awesome. So uh, yeah, check out the the futures game. I think it's. To be honest, I would rather watch that than the All-Star game. Am I crazy for saying that? Nope. It is the best uh, event of the weekend. And the only one I'm going to attend because it's the only one I care about. (laughs) (laughs) It depends who's in the home run derby, I guess, that I can can get excited about the home run derby. Um, What do you guys think about the home run derby? Um, I'd love to see Shohei win it. I think that'd be awesome. Olsen, Matt Olsen got... Um, announced eh. that he'd be in it. He'd be fun to watch. Eh, and it, that's not as exciting for me. No, it's not nearly as exciting. But I think he can. I, he's a guy that might win it. You know, just yeah. Like, but nobody really cares about because he plays for Oakland. But, it's uh, one of those where I, I 
honestly, I probably know three or four off the top of my head who are actually in it. I'll be like, oh, look, who's, who's participating? It's one of those I don't care about ahead of time, but I'll definitely tune in and watch it when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just a fun thing to just mindlessly watch. You don't have to like have notes out like we will with our futures game, probably. You know, yeah. have our notes out, our scanner reports, be on Twitter. And the draft now also part of All Star Weekend. Ah, yes, in fact, a very busy day on Sunday. A great segue. Let's go ahead and transition over to that. That is coming up. And uh, Sean, let's start with you. When we talk about this draft, we're going to kind of just preview it. I don't necessarily even care about trying to mock it out it's just baseball is like the least exciting thing to mock out because it almost is never is going to go how you think just too many crazy things happen with that that we are never going to be aware of behind the scenes um but i am interested in who you are ranking um in terms of your top 300 350 um article that's coming out i believe hopefully um as you the same time as this podcast. I think that's the goal is to try to get both of those out. So uh, definitely check that out. What was your process going through that? How are you ranking these guys? What are you looking at? Just to just briefly discuss how you how do you possibly rank these many people that are so young and unknown? Yeah. So I mean, I, I've got probably personal notes on well over a thousand guys in this draft. Um, you know, I've scoured all the different lists out there, kind of look to see where those are. I've Talk to some of the, many of the scouts and guys that I know within uh, organizations and colleges and things like that to try and get their take. And then I, I just kind of go through and go on my, you know, as I look at two guys next to each other on a list, uh, you know, what does my gut say? Who's better? Um, I'm definitely uh, outside the box on some of these guys. Then you will see in other outlets and things like that. Um, you know, I may be the lowest on Kumar Rocker, uh, as anybody is. I may be higher on Ty Madden than anybody is. I have Ty Madden ahead of Kumar Rocker on my list. Um, probably the only person that has that, but I'm a believer in Ty Madden. I think Kumar Rocker, I'm not the only one that thinks that. I've talked to scouts to think it, is going to be a reliever long term. I just don't think he has the, the, delivery to be a long-term starter so i bumped him down because of that um so you know it really comes down to just information i hear um lists and people that i trust and then just kind of a gut feel at the end so when you are you know you said you are comparing these two players whoever they may be well what are the qualities that you're looking for that maybe might bump up player a as opposed to player b for the long term for me, it's, it's when it comes to pitchers, it, it's guys that I think are going to be able to pitch um, long term. You know, it, this day and age, the injuries are so frequent it's impossible to truly predict. But I, I like to see guys who are a little bit more fundamentally safe. Uh, I, you know, still that old school belief that uh, a smooth delivery equals longer, you know, long-term health. Uh, that's why a guy like Kumar Rocker, I'm not as high on. Um, it's why a guy like Jordan Hicks, a left-handed pitcher out of Kansas State, smooth delivery, incredible changeup. You know, the, I still, I believe, I'm one of those believers that there's nothing quite as dangerous as a fastball changeup, no matter how how big and nasty a slider is. Um, a changeup will make people look as foolish as any pitch. Jordan Wicks has got an incredible changeup. Uh, I love that. I've got him at 14. But, uh, you know, I was listening to the podcast from last week that you guys were talking about, the difference between college guys and high school guys. 
college guys, there's easier to get more eyes on them. You end up falling in love with college guys uh, more just because you've seen them more. You love the talent of high school guys, but there is a lot more hit and miss with high school guys. Uh, and my you know, top ten, it's five high school, five college. So there is a mix in there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. and another thing, just kind of quick to, to note on Wicks, he's the only lefty of this kind of you know tier of, of college pitchers. You know, so so you have that going for him as well. You know, the fastball changeup combo and and having that nasty changeup, but being left-handed as well just makes you stand out so much more than you know a guy perhaps like you know just another one of the guys in this class, Sam Bachman, um, who's also got you know really good stuff, but he's a righty. You know, as opposed to you know someone like a lefty, that there's just kind of added value for a guy like that. Yeah, if you can get if you're a lefty that can get righties out, and that changeup's probably one of the most effective ways to do that, and you get lefties out just because you're lefty, man, um, that's pretty incredible. So Jordan Wicks out of Kansas State, you have him at number fourteen. Very nice. And without question, head and shoulders the best left-handed uh, college arm of this draft. Yeah, you have yeah. Uh, the only other one you have even close at twenty-five. Anthony uh, Salamito, Salamito, and, and he's, and he's a prep guy. So then you know, so the, I believe the next left-handed uh, college guy is all the way down at 53, uh, Matt Mikulski out of Fordham. So the the college lefty, it's basically uh, Wicks and then a giant gap. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's unique. I, I don't I don't remember seeing that in in drafts too often. That call it you know that's that's pretty it's pretty unique i would think for for this year um all right let's 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 discuss who's getting picked first and who should get picked first uh can you go over that a little bit with us yeah it sounds like it's it's pretty clear the pirates are on a uh, a prep uh shortstop um you know do you look at uh, Marcelo Mayer, Jordan Lawler, two guys have bounced back and forth as far as uh, number one overall guy. Really, either one could be number one. I don't see a massive difference between the two of them. Um, I ended up with uh, Marcelo Mayer uh, at number one. He's a guy, you know, he's a left-handed bat. It, it was kind of that tiebreaker for me, uh, you know, left-handed bat uh, that uh, can play short. He, he's probably he's, – he's number one on my list. If you go in best player available, that's where you're going to mock. But who knows? Are the Pirates going to go ahead and find um, a below slot guy, you know, a little bit further down, like a Khalil Watson, a Brady House, and then use their uh, extra picks in the use that extra money later on? Um, are they going to uh, go for the best player available? This is a, a weird year because there's not that transcendent talent that we've seen in years past. Um, there's not the Spencer Torkelsons, the Casey Mises. There's, there's, there aren't those guys there. Um, I had a scout tell me it's a lot like 2016. 2016, the uh, Phillies took uh, Mickey Moniak. They got him under slot. They ended up using that money for guys down the line. It didn't work out. But if you go look at the 2016 draft, there's so far zero all-stars in that first round. Uh, the second round has a few all-stars, and then Shane Bieber went in the fourth round. It was a deep draft. It wasn't the incredible talent at the top. This class is a lot like that. There is just not that transcendent, must-have, no-doubter guy at the top. So you're going to see some interesting things happen early in the draft. Uh, so uh, moving of uh, money when it comes to those uh, signing bonuses uh, because it's a deeper draft than it is uh, high at the top. 
Now, what are the chances that there is a transcendent talent, but we just haven't seen it because of COVID? Or are you pretty firm in the fact that this is uh, similar to that 2016 class? You know, I, I it, it's kind of crazy to say there's not a transcendent talent when you see what a guy like Jack Leiter did this season. The guy who is one of those weird COVID-induced draft-eligible freshmen this year. He was absolutely incredible. He, there's nothing about what he did suggests that there's any real question. It's just is he just there's something about him that just doesn't have that upside of the Casey Mises of the past. Um, you know, those those no doubt number one guys. Uh, it's why you know he I think he started the year around fifth, but for a lot of people. Um, Flirted with number one overall and kind of fell, fell, fell back to, for me, three. I've seen him rank two, three, four. Um, you know, there could be a transcendent talent. But remember, 2016, you can say there was a transcendent talent. Yeah. But that guy didn't go until the fourth round and change Shane Bieber. Yeah. So that, the transcendent talent just might not be one of the guys that you're thinking of. Absolutely. What about you, David? Do you, uh, do you have, who do you have at number one on your, on your chart? Well, at, at number one, I've got Marcelo Meyer as well. I mean, w- when you're looking at him versus, you know, Jordan Lawler, um, you know, with, with Meyer being a left-handed bat, I think that certainly does give him an edge, um, as Sean was talking to talking about there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those two guys are, are really just kind of seem to be um, up there at the top uh, ahead of the other two high school shortstops, Cleo Watson and Brady House. Um, when it comes to the, the pitchers, you know, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, um, you know, both have really kind of gone back and forth. And I was like, oh, maybe they could go one, two. And, you know, the Pirates never really seemed too interested in, in going pitcher uh, with the number one overall pick. So um, that, that might have just been part of it. But, uh, yeah, Myers probably probably going to be the number one guy. But we could see some some crazy stuff going on, as Sean was talking about there with, you know, under slot deals and. You know, just trying to play slot games, I don't think that's the wisest strategy, especially when you have the number one overall pick. Um, but, you know, as as Sean was saying, you know, when there's no clear-cut number one pick and you're just kind of, you know, splitting hairs as, as to should you go Meyer, should you go Lawler, should you go Jack Leiter, or maybe someone like Henry Davis, um, there's plenty of ways that, that they could go. Um, but you just kind of got to trust your scouts. And I think you have to take best player available instead of trying to play games with the slot money. The other thing that's going to be interesting to see, as we talked briefly before we started recording, this is the first year of the 20 round draft. Last year was the five round COVID shortened before that it was a 40, you know, 40 round draft. The, rounds five through 10 was a lot of guys, you know, the senior signs for the 10 $15,000 to save extra money for guys beyond round 10 or to save money up at the top. You know, we don't know how those, that money's going to end up working out um, from 11 to 20 at the top of the draft. So how teams are going to approach this first year of a 20 round draft is going to be really interesting. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. I want to talk about a guy that I've kind of, you know, I've done preliminary research here and some guys jump off and I wonder if, you know, um, they deserve to get jumped off or not. But Henry Davis, you mentioned him a little bit, a catcher out of Louisville. Can you compare him to some of the other catchers that have been drafted in the recent years? Uh, are his tools 
equivalent. I've heard a lot of people say that he has the best tools out of a collegiate catcher um, in quite some time, you know, sans Rutschman. But where does he stack up with some of these other guys that have been drafted recently? The guy, for me, he is an excellent bat. He guy has an absolute cannon of an arm. He's not a guy I really love watching receiving the, the ball. I, I would kind of put him below average as far as an actual receiver as a, a catcher. Um, but he makes up for that with the plus plus arm that he has behind the plate. Um, some of the, the footwork flaws that he has don't show up because he it has such a strong arm. And then when he's at the plate, you know, he's got a mix of, of, of contact he's got some power he is a guy that is going to be a bat and arm carry more so than a true uh excellent defensive catcher so to me he's very you use the right word he's very toolsy he's got a ton of tools i just don't see him as the most well-rounded catcher um but at the same time that crazy arm the that bat I have him sitting fourth on, on my list because he is that good of a overall ball player. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be that great of a catcher. Sounds, yeah. sounds perfect for fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like with those catching skills, like, you know, receiving, like that can be taught. Like you get him into, you know, with, with a decent catching coach and, and, and development program, like you can teach him to be a, a much better receiver. You know, the cannon for an arm, you can't really teach that as much. You know, the the, the bats, you know, the, the pure hitting ability, that's not as easy to teach. So, I mean, the receiving skills, like, yeah, they may not be um, super great at the moment, but those can be improved fairly easily. No question. And, you know, and, and being a great receiver uh, behind the plate doesn't really guarantee a whole lot either. Uh, the best... Mm-hmm. You know, receiver of, of the baseball catcher that I've ever I've ever seen personally in, in myself is Austin Hedges. The guy was absolutely f- amazing to watch catch. Dude just can't hit, and if you can't hit, you're not going to be productive at the big league level. Yeah, that brings me to uh, another question I wanted to ask: Is are you mocking this just for real life baseball, or is it does, does it have a fantasy spin to it? This is real life baseball. It's not going to be looking at fantasy. Um, you know, it's I, I've kind of gotten too much into the the at the ball field scouting stuff. Um, this is, year was the first year I've actually played fantasy baseball in four or five years. I just kind of got disconnected from the fantasy world. So, uh, you know, for me, it's about you know future big league talent more so than uh, fantasy producers. Okay, excellent. Just I think readers and listeners should know that. No, absolutely. So, with that being said, are there any guys here in your top uh, 15, <clears throat> top 10, and I see a lot of shortstops, so I'm, that's kind of what I'm wondering about, that are up here with a lot of excess defensive value that fantasy owners and dynasty leagues should be wary of, that like, oh, the, the, one of the big things that's carrying them here is a glove as opposed to their bat. Anybody that stick out to you that comes across like that? The one that really stands out uh, with that type of thing is going to be Sal Frelick out of Boston College, the outfielder. Um, one, he might be my favorite player in this draft. I absolutely love watching him play. He can fly. He uh, makes plenty of contact, goes gap to gap. You know, I think he sticks in center field. He's not going to hit for much power. He... Um, you know, as far as fantasy-wise, 
kind of Nick Magical-esque, where he's, you know, mm-hmm. there's no power, but he's going to make contact. He, he's a better real-life baseball player than fantasy player. So to me, a Frelick, if you're doing a dynasty rank, would drop big time, but I don't think he drops big time as far as the draft and the, and the big league uh, value. Yeah, I think that's that's vital for uh, guys looking over this. You know, what, what's your purpose of looking this over? Because obviously we have our favorite teams and we want the best player available, but we also care about our dynasty teams as well. So, uh, David, anybody there in his top 10 that you wanted to maybe ask about, get his opinion on that you see that sticks out to you? So one guy that, I mean, there's, we all know basically the riskiest uh, demographic is high school right-handed pitchers uh, when it comes to the draft. And Jackson Job, um, he's been, you know, talked about possibly as high as number three overall. Uh, his name is really kind of all across the top ten. Um, but you know, he, you know, all the scouting reports seem like, oh, he's got, you know, the great stuff. Seems like a relatively sure thing, or at least as much as you can get uh, for a high school right-handed pitcher. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Job and um, you know, if he can um, beat the odds, I guess it is, and beat the track record of high school righties. Yeah, the thing with Job that makes him different than other high school righties is that he, well, one, his slider is absolutely ridiculous. It, it Outside of Wix's changeup, it might be the best pitch in the draft. Um, but he has got an athletic body. He's got a relatively easy delivery. It's not one of those that you have to worry about. He throws plenty of strikes. Um, you know, oftentimes you you see these guys coming out of uh, high school, especially, you know, in the Oklahoma, Texas ranges, he's from Oklahoma, that are just the big power arms. He's got a big fastball. He's got a, a big slider. But he does it with a repeatable delivery. He's got, you know, he's – Six two, maybe two hundred pounds. He's got some weight. He can still put on that body. Um, I there is plenty of projectability that goes into it because he is a skinny high school righty. But he's got that delivery, that flow that I do think he can beat the odds. I think that he he's a high school righty that can move somewhat quickly. But keep in mind, he, he's. Also an older high school righty. He's already 18. He would be a draft-eligible sophomore if he ever goes to college, which he's not going to end up doing. But he would be a draft-eligible sophomore if he did. Um, so he's a little bit more mature in that. He's from a southern uh, state. He's plenty of uh, plenty of innings under his belt. So I think he's a little bit more um, further along than a lot of high school righties as well. So I think the combination of further along, a little bit older, uh, repeatable delivery with some uh, – with some projectability in that frame, I think he's a guy that is there's no such thing as a safe high school uh, arm, but I, I think he's one of the safer high school arms that we've seen in a while. All right. I'm a power guy. Who's got the best power here in perhaps the first round? The first round. Um, well, let's see here. It's not the, the biggest power, uh, First round, I will say – now, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the mock drafts and things like that. We did do a uh, mock draft uh, through uh, Twitter thread, and we put the mock draft that uh, David, myself, and uh, Greg Rosenthal did. 
This is a guy that fell into the competitive balance round A. I picked him at uh, pick 35. Judd Fabian out of Florida. Plenty of power. Plenty of swing and miss. He is a power guy. Uh, he hit under 250 this season uh, for the Gators, but he, I think he hit 20-some-odd uh, home runs. Um, he's a guy that was you know, big-time power, big-time swing and miss, but if you're looking for, to, to fill that stat sheet in a, in a Roto League, you're going to look at a guy like Fabian to fill up some uh, home runs for you. Beautiful. And then I'm looking over that mock draft here, and David – you uh, you got the Brewers as one of your your guys there, but not yeah. uh, the guy that I've been seeing floating around to the Braves as well. Um, Michael McGreevy. What can uh, David? What do you see about Michael McGreevy? And maybe if you can tally on to that too afterwards, Sean. What do you think of this guy? Yeah, I mean McGreevy. I, I had him in the Comp A uh, pick 33, uh, college arm out of UC Santa Barbara. Um, he's someone that uh, has really kind of ticked up, you know, th- this year, kind of this spring as the season went along. Um, so he, he kind of put himself into that first round, uh, you know, comp a, uh, conversation. Um, so, I mean, he's someone that, you know, he's got a great build for a starter, six foot four, 215 pounds, um, pretty good, you know, command always is really kind of around the zone. Um, so that's something you really like to see. And that's very tough to, to develop for some guys. And he's already got that, that command, that control, uh, pretty well developed. And he's getting his fastball now up into, uh, the, the mid nineties, upper nineties, um, around 96, uh, has a really good slider. Um, also has a, a curveball and a changeup. So he's got a four pitch mix. Um, his stuff has really started to look better this year. His command is good. Um, so that's really kind of made him. Uh, a big riser uh, over the past couple of months. No question. He's a guy that is command first. Um, he's always been one of those guys that uh, he's good command, good command. And this season, the stuff itself really took a big step forward. Um, a true four pitch mix, fastball slider curve uh, change. The fastball and the slider probably ahead of the uh, the curve and change, but the guy's going to be around the zone at all times. I think he's one of those that doesn't have the massive ceiling, uh, has more of a, uh, a high floor, um, kind of a uh, back into the rotation guy, but you're pretty confident he's going to end up uh, cracking rotation at the same time, which coming in at uh, pick 33, which is pretty dead on my my ranking. I have him ranked 32. I think if he goes on the comp A, uh, somebody's going to get a really good player who's going to end up seeing some time in uh, in their rotation. Sounds a lot like we just described Shane Bieber. Exactly, yeah. the fellow one. The, the guy that actually came to my mind um, as a somewhat of a comp, and maybe this isn't going to get anybody excited, is a guy like Thomas Eshelman, a guy that just finds the zone. Uh, Ashelman dealt with some injuries that kind of slowed his career down, but he's a guy that he, he was a big time guy as far as the zo- hitting the zone. And without the injuries, he would, would have been a no brainer fourth, fifth starter on a quality team. My alma yeah. mater, by the way, in Gauchos, uh, the Santa Barbara, I think yeah. that's why we got drawn. Yeah. To him. And, and I think, I mean, if you get, you know, a guy like McGreevy there in a, organization you know that is kind of you know advanced with uh their their analytics and, and their pitching development 
I mean, you could probably, you know, refine the, that curveball and the changeup and, you know, refine some of that secondary stuff a little bit more um, and, you know, get some more out of them and, and could uh, help his stuff play up a little bit more. Like a guy like Shane Bieber, I mean, who was, you know, he was not thought of certainly as the talent that he is now because he went in the fourth round. Um, but he's someone that, I mean, that you get you get him in that Indians pitching development program um, and they get that stuff to tick up. So, um, you know, having that control there to begin with gives him a really good foundation. Yeah, you need that foundation, whether it be that's the stuff that you try. I mean, it just seems so much easier to kind of get the stuff to tick up than to try to get the command and control to tick up. I think that just takes a lot longer in your craft. Um, and we saw that with Bieber, right? When his stuff just ticks up a little bit and he's still throwing those strikes, it just became unhittable. So, excellent. All right. Um, we're nearing the end of here of our podcast. I do want to have you back on again, Sean, perhaps after the draft or a few weeks yeah, after no the draft, like we mentioned, to go over kind of what teams uh, might mean for your rankings and see, you know, uh, does a guy going to like David is saying to Cleveland, boost him up a little bit for you, or maybe going to Baltimore, boost him down. I don't know. Um, is that Baltimore thing still, still a thing, I guess, until they prove me wrong. Otherwise. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think we're still okay saying that. Sorry, Orioles fans out there. But um, let's go ahead and leave with uh, one guy we haven't talked about that you just absolutely uh, adore and, and maybe you have higher than the rest of the industry. Um, I'll let you go, Sean. And David, if you want to chime in after as well, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think that uh, I may be pretty, you know, on par with with the industry as far as this guy, but um, it's a guy who won the spellings fun, uh, Matthew Nelson with the M A T H E U, uh, and when he goes by Matt, it's M A T with a single T. Uh, so some interesting spelling there. But the guy came out of Florida State, absolutely uh, crushed this season. I mean, the guy slugged over 700. He had 23 home runs, 66 RBIs uh, in 53 games as a catcher uh, for Florida State. Um, I'm a voter for the uh, Dick Hauser Award for the the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association. I had him as my number two uh, on that ballot. He's a guy I loved in college. Um, again, not the best receiver of the baseball, but a, a quality catcher. I think he's a guy that he is a proven college contributor, a catcher who can hit the hit a little bit, got a good arm. I think if he ends up going in uh, the comp A early round two, somebody's going to get a, f- a future backstop for him. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, this, this guy, I think, has been trending up uh, a little bit lately, and um, I, I took him in our in our mock draft, and his his College World Series performance, I think, is causing the, the tick up. And, and from what I saw from him uh, in those games in the College World Series, uh, it really just kind of cemented uh, my thoughts on him. Will Bednar, uh, right-handed pitcher out of Mississippi State, uh, pitching, you know, big game pitcher, um, you know, p- pitching in a game like that, game three of the College World Series final, going six no-hit innings against Vanderbilt. Um, that That's in, in extremely impressive to me. And just looking at his stuff as a whole um, and, and what he brings as a pitcher on the mound, uh, it, it's very exciting to me, and I'm, I'm pretty high on him. Um, I think, obviously, a, he, that he could be a, a mid-first-round uh, selection. He wasn't really tracking that way before. He was kind of more, you know, comp A, uh, maybe, you know, late first round, early second round uh, type selection. Um, but now it's looking like there, there's a strong chance he could go 
uh, in the middle of the first round. Um, he's got the the big fastball, really good slider, uh, plus slider. Um, also really uh, strong curveball as well. Um, and he has a changeup, so another four pitch mix. Also has above average control and command, so he's around the zone as well. So you know, having that kind of stuff and and being able to throw you know mid 90s, you know, top it out 97 with the fastball. Um, with, with a plus slider, um, there, there's just a lot to like there. Um, and, and that's someone that I think also, I mean, you get him in, in a good pitching development organization, you could have uh, a future stud uh, in your rotation with Will Bednar. And he's a guy that despite the uh, six no-hit, or in, in that six no-hit innings in the College World Series final, I actually had people tell me he was tipping his pitches. So some <laughs> Vandy hitters actually knew it was coming and they still couldn't hit him. Gotta love that. Wow. That's amazing. I did not know that. All right, guys. Well, I drafted for uh, – I got four first-round draft picks in my Dynasty League, and now I'm much more excited <laughs> to have them. So thank you guys for uh, giving us a little bit of information. Of course, we'll know more <clears throat> as they get drafted. When uh, We will also get to see them this year when they get drafted in their you know professional ranks, which is exciting as well. We kind of haven't had that in a while, so that's nice to – to get back. So, uh, Sean, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what's coming out tomorrow that everybody can take a look at uh, on Prospects 1500? Yeah, it, it's just going to be my uh, my top 350 list. Um, it is going to be a list of, uh, you know, who I like best in the top 350. Um, you will see a guy like Josh Hartle who probably won't be drafted because he's, he's very committed to going to uh, college. Um, I, it's my top 350 draft eligible players this season. Um, not necessarily where they're going to go or anything like that. It's uh, my take on as far as the top talent this season. Um, so that's coming out. Uh you know, we will be, uh, I will be at the Futures game um, this coming Sunday. So uh, I look forward to coming back on the podcast here in the next uh, week or two and reviewing the, the draft, reviewing what we saw at the Futures game. Uh, you know, keep an eye on the Prospects 1500 uh, Twitter as well because there's going to be uh, four or five of us that are going to be there. So plenty of good uh, information coming out and uh, looking forward to the draft. Yeah, this is turning into Christmas in July for us here at Prospect 1500. So uh, tune in next week. We'll be back again. David and I will be back for sure. And Sean, we'll get you back on here. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. All right, David, we're going to go ahead and end this up for our listeners. We went a little bit longer, I think, than normal. But I, this is so, so much good stuff. Um, and I know you guys are anxious to get to that draft. So um, we'll, uh, we'll come back next week. See what's going on. And uh, this was Futures Focus Podcast. This is courtesy of Prospects 1500. I'm Alex Sanchez, David Gasper. Um, thank you again for listening and all the support, guys. We really, really appreciate it, especially those listeners that are, are coming back and, and giving us all the support. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>